Hello and welcome to episode two of The Far Post. My name's Marissa. I'm glad you've come back for episode two. Sorry for making you wait. That was an error on my part specifically, so we won't do that to you again. Um, It's very exciting that we are back for another episode. It's the second one. It's great stuff. I'm once again not doing this alone because I've really fumbled through this intro, which is an excellent start. Luckily, I've got Anna, Angela and Sam back with me. Angela, the people have waited two weeks to know. Last episode, you said you admitted to your West Ham supporting father that you own an Arsenal jersey and you were worried there would be some repercussions. So please let everyone know, are you disowned? Are you out of the will? Everything's fine. Um, when he eventually was able to access the podcast, took a little bit of back and forth there. Um, he, he, you know, acknowledged the the Arsenal boo-boo but said that he, he's, he's glad it's not a Spurs jersey. I think if it was a Spurs jersey, <laughs> there would be um, greater repercussions. So it, it's all worked out fine. Um, still in the will. I love it. I love it. I'm glad that there's also a hierarchy of jerseys. Like this one's not good, but this one's worse. This one's where you've (laughs) drawn the line and will get kicked out. So uh, moving on, we're going to start, I suppose we'll call it a new segment, which is exciting. Last week or last episode, we routinely said the phrase, you love to see it. So we're going to turn it into a segment because that's how these things work. So Anna, I'll start with you. What did you love to see this week? Uh, Marissa, I thought it was so good that after seeing Caitlin Ford last week come off the bench and uh, give a couple of assists that she got off the mark in the FAWSL for Arsenal um, with, I think it was Lisa Evans uh, giving one her way. Caitlin Ford scoring, you love to see it. You really do love to see it. And Sam, what did you love to see this week? Yeah, I mean, like there's so much chat recently about all of the Matildas heading to England, to the FAWSL, how they're all going to go. But we keep forgetting that we actually have a bunch of other players elsewhere in the world. And one of them is young, uh, former Brisbane Raw striker, India Page Riley, who famously scored with her ass. Uh, <laughs> and she scored a hat-trick for her new club, Fortuna Hjoring, in Denmark. And it was there were three sensational goals. The commentator was absolutely wrapped and wrapped for her. She's a youngster. She's really talented. And I hope that she continues to grow because, like, this is the next generation of Matildas we've got coming through and you should keep an eye on them as well. So India Page Riley scoring hat-tricks. You love to see it. You bloody love to see it. All right. Even though we literally just said we spoke a lot about the English League, let's talk about the English League. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a busy couple of weeks, so we've got a lot to talk about. As Harrow mentioned, Caitlin Ford in her first two matches has two assists and now a goal to her name. Angela, what did you make of Kate Ford's performance over these first two weeks of the WSL? I don't think I can really fault her performance. I think she's doing, in my mind, she's playing exactly how I would expect her to in the Arsenal setup. She's doing exactly what you would hope she would do in the Arsenal setup. I mean, I think the interesting thing moving forward and I think across the team as a whole will be those bigger matches against perhaps slightly tougher opposition. Arsenal was so calm after every goal. It was like they knew that they were just going to brutally ruin both uh, um, Reading and uh, 
uh, West Ham. Love that for her. I mean, for me, it was it was sort of at the point in the match where um, things were difficult. It was difficult to watch as a West Ham supporter by the time she had scored. But um, yeah, loving it. Uh, I really love watching Katie Ford play. Um, so yeah, great start for her. Yeah, I mean, I think what's going to be interesting is how she's rotated with other players come those big matches, and especially when other competitions start to roll around as well. Because the FAWSL isn't the only competition that these players are going to be in. They've probably got European Championships coming up. They've got, I think, two other domestic cups that they're going to be playing in as well. So at the moment, we've seen Caitlin Ford coming off the bench, and she's been great coming off the bench. She's made a huge impact coming off the bench. She's got two assists and a goal. But if she starts... Maybe, I don't know, like what's going to happen then if she underwhelms, if she's a starter, does that mean that she's perhaps going to go further down in the pecking order and just be a come off the bench impact player? In which case that'll be fine because she's obviously doing a great job at that at the moment. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how perhaps that translates into Matilda's stuff as well. Yeah, I actually spoke to Kate a couple of weeks ago um, for AAP pre, uh, you know, preview stuff for the FAWSL, and I asked her about that because she was obviously at Portland and um, really fell out of favour there with such a strong starting lineup. and said, you know, one of the things that attracted her to Arsenal was the possibility of playing in these cup matches and different competitions and knowing that she was going to be part of a rotation. And I think the thing we've got to remember with Arsenal as well is uh, Joe Montemuro likes to have a really tight, small squad, so everyone always feels like they're in the mix. They're not on the periphery. They're always in contention. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting, Sam, because – Obviously, we saw Beth Mead score. There's so much quality in that team. But we know that Kate provides that point of difference. So I don't think, yeah, we can be too worried. But hopefully, as we see the FA Cup and these sorts of things come along, she can get a bit more involved as a starter because um, when she really gets on a roll, she's just so dangerous. I think we've seen a bit of that, but hopefully more to come. And just quickly on the Arsenal game, obviously, Ford's Matilda's teammate Steph Catley copped a knock and was subbed out quite early in the match. Uh, Arsenal's saying that she's she should be fine. It was more a precautionary thing. Luckily, there's a, a week off with the Euro qualifiers, but we hope that Steph's all right and she's back on the pitch as soon as possible. But I suppose then moving from one Matilda's attacker in Kate Ford to another in Sam Kerr, she found herself on the score sheet once again and put in another really strong performance. Harrow, what did you make of Sam Kerr's performance? I think uh, as Sam Kerr chief defender number one last week, not last week, last pod, um, yeah, it was great to see her really put in that sort of performance. Um, Maybe lacking a bit of confidence around goal wouldn't surprise after a fair bit of scrutiny she's copped in her start to life in England. But I thought it was a really strong performance. She was involved in everything, um, had an assist, could have probably had a couple more if her teammates were on target. But, yeah, it was really great. And when um, Marta came on, they just seemed to get each other. I'm, I know we'll talk a bit more about that. But I thought it was really good for Sam to to get that goal, got onto a nice ball and just was really clinical with the finish. Um, I know that it wasn't a super competitive game, but I just think that would do so much for her confidence, just knowing she can put one away like that. It wasn't a header. It was in open play. Uh, I think it will do heaps for her. Yeah, one of the things that I really enjoyed watching about Sam Kerr against Bristol was that she played quite a lot of the wing and a lot of people forget that Sam Kerr actually started as a winger. She started when she came through at Sydney FC in Perth Glory back in the days. 
she started as a winger and I think that's one of the one of the reasons why she's such a good striker and she's such a good assister is because she's actually developed her craft out there. And so you saw her delivering a number of really good, really dangerous crosses from that left side. Um, she made a number of really good runs off the shoulder down the left wing as well. So being able to interchange like that more regularly with these other more central players like Beth England and Peniel Harder, mm. I think it's only going to be a good thing. Same same with Katie Ford. Like if the two of them are able to be more um, flexible in those positions and, and work off each other, for example, that can only be a good thing for the Matildas, which should, I mean, to, for me, the Matildas should be the number one sort of goal. That should be the thing that all of these club performances are geared towards. And so if Kerr and, and Kate are going to continue to um, add more strings to their bow by being played in different positions and um, being forced to cater to different systems and different kinds of players, it only means that they're going to be stronger players because of it. There were some super um, balls that Sam put in as well, like as good as any winger would put in. As you mentioned, Sam, we were actually talking about this, about maybe she'll have to play more out in the wing, but it is something she does. She knows how to interchange She's a really selfless player. I think that's something that a lot of people don't notice because they look at the spectacular, they look at her having shots, maybe she misses some, but she is always looking to give off, whether it's those little flicks or those more conventional sort of whipped-in crosses that we maybe saw a bit um, over the weekend. She she is just such a quality player and she loves to get one-on-one, take players on, and that's where she can be so dangerous. I think we saw even um, at the World Cup when she got isolated a bit and she got put out on the wing and she sort of found her way back into the game there. So I do like that Emma Hayes has really backed her in. I think that's really, really good for her. I think she's only going to get better for it. We we mentioned Peniel Harder a couple of times there and we got a question on Twitter from Kieran. I'll put it to you, Angela. What effect do you think Harder's arrival will have on Kerr? And I suppose you also have the benefit of having one game as a sample size to judge that effect. Yeah, I think, um, and this has been discussed as well, um, amongst us, it, it will take the pressure off Sam, which I think will be a really, really good thing. And it's really lovely to see, well, I mean, it depends if you're a Bristol fan or not, but um, <laughs> Chelsea just have so much talent up front that I basically bouncing off what Sam just said there, that she'll be, you know, challenging and be learning different systems. And I think they, the two of them will work really well together. I don't think it necessarily has to be an either or equation, not saying that anyone's putting it that way, but um, I think it will probably be a net positive. It's not going to be the Sammy show. And I don't think it was ever going to be the Sammy show with the talent in this Chelsea side. So I think that um, whatever role Sammy's going to have moving forward is just going to be enhanced with a player like Peniel Harder. And I think they're also slightly, they have slightly different star qualities to them that, um, and score the sort of exciting goals that they score as different. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Sammy assisting Peniel Harder and the other way around, like we saw on the weekend. It's good stuff all round. So I suppose then moving to the other very large, very Bad if you are a fan of West Ham result there. We had Arsenal beating West Ham 9-1. It's it's just it's not a good result, but there were some positives there. You've a couple of you have mentioned that Mackenzie Arnold's performance really did impress you. Sam, why was that the case? Why did Macca impress you even though the scoreline was not good? 
Yeah, look, I think Mackenzie Arnold, I think we tend to forget that Mackenzie Arnold is actually a very good goalkeeper um, because a lot of the time that we've seen her, she's been playing for Brisbane Raw. The W League is not an especially good league. Uh, you can sort of be a decent goalkeeper and do pretty well there. And she's been number two on, in the Matildas for a very long time. And I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of sort of longer time Matildas fans will remember her absolutely diabolical performance against Thailand in the 2018 Asian Cup. Uh, this is something that I've addressed in my column for Optus Sport this week. And ever since then, she has she has played two games for the Matildas since that moment. So I think she sort of dropped off the radar a bit, but I feel like her time at West Ham is going to be the making of this player. She's coming up against sensational attackers week in, week out. She's going to be forced to have to work. And I feel like perhaps she's felt a little bit comfortable with her position at Brisbane and maybe with being the number two at the Matildas for a while and perhaps hasn't felt the need to improve her game. Um, And we saw against, you know, against Arsenal what she is capable of doing. She made some sensational saves that only really a handful of goalkeepers in the world can make. Um, including one that was a, a, an unbelievable reaction save where her momentum was carrying her the other like across the goal the other direction um, and she got down low and tipped a, a, a shot from Miedemar onto the onto the post um, and she you know even though she did I think perhaps let in two or three goals that she probably could have saved like West Ham just sort of collapsed and they didn't really help her out in any way but if it hadn't been for her and if she wasn't in such red hot form as what she appears to be it would have been a lot, a lot worse and Angela would be in a much worse mood uh, during this podcast <laughs> than what she already is. <laughs> um, yeah, I on the weekend I caught up with my dad over WhatsApp and I, I'm doing Fantasy League this season so that's adding a new perspective on everything that I watch, which I'm not really sure if I like that or not, being like, how is this going to affect my fantasy side? It's probably additional <laughs> commentary in my mind that doesn't need to be there. Um, but anyway, and I told him that I put Macker in goal and he just, he, as my auntie put it, he laid an egg because he was like, you should know, you should never put a West Ham keeper, regardless of whether they play for the men's or the women's side, in goal on your fantasy team. You learnt the hard way, Angela. And just, uh, anyway, so. Like, hang on, hang on. He laid an egg. What does that mean? <laughs> Just like laughing in hysterics. <laughs> I assume that's oh what chickens God. do. Wow. So I'm currently laying an egg at that story, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yes, Sam is laying an egg at the story about my father laying an egg. Um, but yes, honestly, like I think that Maka had a really, she did have a really good game. And I don't know, I, I know we have different standards for professionals, but once your team has let in five goals, I feel like that's got to get to you mentally. And so I sort of am given a little happy to look the other way for some of those, I guess, easier shots that Arsenal put in there. And also on the note of that game, it was, I think it was a pretty even contest or at least a, a hearty contest in the first half up until um, Flaherty. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Flaherty got sent off and then it just went went awful I was gonna swear there but anyway but yes and also Macca's performance last game was um I think top notch um it was just an unfortunate own goal there from um Fisk that saw yeah West Ham concede first and 
Leon's excellent goal to make it even. So, yeah, that's my Macca ramble over. I think the one other really exciting thing about Mackenzie Arnold is uh, she's always been in the Matildas just briefly as a um, more of a a distribution goalkeeper, one that you use to set up the play, to play out from the back, and Lydia Williams is more of the shot stopper. So I think it's really exciting that, like you mentioned, Sam, she made some really good saves, something she's probably not had to do a whole lot of um, for the last couple of years. Though uh, we did see, obviously, that game you mentioned against Thailand, she then went and turned things around in a penalty shootout. So she does have that to her game. So I think it's really exciting that we're going to get to see that pure shot-stopping part of our game because clearly West Ham are going to be copping a fair few shots this season. So, no, I think it's exciting times ahead for Mackenzie Arnold. You know, we'll see what we sh- she can do when she has 10 other players on the pitch. <laughs> oh, that was really a catastrophe. <laughs> Did anyone see the the second yellow? Because I think it just sort of happened and everyone saw the footage of her walking off the pitch but then didn't actually see. I think the uh, the one camera that they had on the game perhaps uh, missed that. <laughs> Sorry, that was snarky. But no, I didn't actually see it. I, I'm assuming she got it for back chat, which is a stupid reason to get a second yellow if you're already on one. You know, she should know better. She's a senior player. She's been in the game for a long time. And the defence absolutely fell apart when she went off the field because she wasn't leading them and... You know, hopefully it's a lesson for next time. I have made two notes from this chat. We're getting Angela's dad on because I just yes. think we, we need to have a yarn with him. Friends and the there pod. has been way too much mention of the 2018 Asian Cup. I feel like we're, you know, between two shows on Fox Sports and I'm being, like, personally called out by the five minutes highlight package of the 2018 Asian Cup final <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> It's too much for me on this Monday evening, friends. I'm not not doing well. Anyway, let us move on to other Aussies in the WSL. We had Hayley Razo and Alana Kennedy come up against each other. Hayley Razo ended up taking the chocolates, 1-0 to Everton. It was a relatively decent game for both sides, but obviously Everton were on top there. Uh, The other, I'm going to call her an honorary Aussie. I'm pretty sure we've got some... Uh, Kiwi fans who would not take well to me saying that, but Rebecca Stott has been playing for Brighton and has been absolutely killing it. Uh, you know, two games, two clean sheets with her at the heart of the defence. Angela, what did you make of Stotty's performances? Oh, I think she's a bit like, I think the results stand for themselves. Two clean sheets, how good. Um, but also, I'd just like to note that someone else on this uh, podcast had a lot of opinions to share with me on our state-sanctioned run the other day and I told her save it for the pod and no she just kept on going so I'm going to tune out while Anna repeats everything she said about Scott which (laughs) is all incredibly valid and I agree but um and all worth hearing but I'd just like to say that not even abiding by her save it for the pod rule get it together Anna come on it it's it just really hurt me that I betrayed my own uh, my own morals on that one. All I talk about is save it for the pod, and I let everyone down. Um, yeah, Stoddy's in my fantasy team, which as Angela mentioned, I don't usually play fantasy, but Stoddy absolute phenomenon because she's had clean sheets in both their games so far. I also think she just makes any team better. She's such a versatile defender. Um, she can play at centre back in a back three or four, and she can also play as a as a full back in a back four. We see her venture into midfield as well. Uh, it's just 
devastating that, well, not for her personally, but for us that uh, we didn't manage to get her over to the Matildas because I just think she'd be the perfect player. But I just think it's great to see a player who is loved by her teammates whenever she's been in the W League, loved by her international teammates, really popular and really highly rated, just uh, make the move and get off to a really good start, especially with a clean sheet against Manchester City of all teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm wrapped to see um, Becca Stott, who was such a fixture of that Melbourne City-dominant team, do so well. Sam, I can see you're absolutely fanging to say something about Stotty here. <laughs> and so, no, I mean, you summarised it really well. I am a huge fan of Rebecca Stott. I think anyone who has ever watched the W League is a huge fan of Rebecca Stott, and it's really good to see her playing in a league that I think we all felt that she deserved to be playing in at this mm. kind of level. Um, but I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Megan Walsh, who is the Brighton Hove Albion goalkeeper, and she had an absolute blinder against Manchester City on the weekend as well. Um, if anyone has watched like the highlights package of that game, it's basically just Man City attacking constantly. Um, not to say that Stoddy didn't have a great game because she did, but Megan Walsh also had a very good game. And as you know, on the sort of general theme of goalkeepers that we've sort of got going on um, this week a little bit, particularly in light of some of the quite terrible performances uh, by goalkeepers in opening round. Um, and sort of in this round as well, uh, I think it's really good to see a, young local English goalkeeper doing really well for herself. So well done to Megan Walsh. Uh, that probably could have been in the how good section, but I'm just going to say it now. I'm just taking note here. So Maka out. <laughs> writing. Thank you for that tip, Sam. I, I got one thought, Sam. I reckon there's always room for a how good or you love to see it. I, I just think we'd be betraying yeah. what we're really about if um, if we went against that and, st- and started restricting it to certain times. Because the other motto of uh, this chat, I believe, is you got to know what you're about. And we are definitely yeah. about dropping a how good and we are definitely about dropping it. You love to see it. So, Sam, you know what? You love to see it. <laughs> you love to see it. They're going to make merch and you're going to pull a string out of our backs and it's just going to be a, like, constant stream of these catchphrases, <laughs> honestly. I love it. No, novelty beer opener. You crack yes. it open and it says you love to see it. <laughs> oh, my God. Good. Anyway, that's that's for a, a separate meeting and not a podcast recording. So let's, I suppose, we'll change tack a little bit. It's, I suppose, a bit more serious or something that requires a bit more uh, nuanced discussion, we'll say. Brighton and Man City, I think this round was kind of the exception to the rule of results that were perhaps could have been very lopsided but were quite even in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, we had two games that had one team concede nine goals, which you you never want to see. It's not enjoyable unless it's your team doing the winning. But it's been very interesting to see the the reaction and the discussion every women's league at the moment kind of has its own existential crisis and for some thought for the FAWSL it's how do we deal with these beltings how do we deal with the the kind of ever-growing gulf between the haves and the have-nots and I'm interested on your take on this. I think we've got a really uh, actually golden example of how to deal with this right here in Australia like you saw when Melbourne City came into the league First game, thump Sydney FC, who were one of the top teams in the league, 6-0, bang. There you go. Every team got beaten by that by that Melbourne City team. They continued to show their dominance. They led the way. I remember talking to players from other teams um, after that undefeated season. They were just saying, 
City have got this, they've got that. They're showing the way to do it. Hopefully it forces other teams to lift their game. You know what? It did. It did. Look at Western Sydney this most recent um, season. Look at Melbourne Victory the last couple. Even um, your traditional powerhouses like a, a Sydney FC and a Brisbane have had to lift standards in certain ways. So we talk about the investment in the women's game um, and I'm sure it'd be great to hear all your guys' thoughts too, but we talk about investment and, yeah, there's some big spending happening at, at Chelsea and Manchester City in particular, Arsenal to a lesser extent, though a lot of their squad was already together. But when you look relative for a lot of these clubs around and about, the big spending that you're doing in the women's game still isn't necessarily that much compared to in the men's game. A couple of the smaller clubs maybe are saying we don't have you know, quite the resources, but if you're a West Ham or you're at Everton who've actually recruited really well, you've got a fair bit of money at the club. So I think hopefully we will see just that gradual or maybe not even gradual, sudden investment in those other teams. So that's what I'd like to see happen. I think there is a solution and it is just increased investment across the board. At the end of the day, you can only fit 11 of them on the, on the pitch at once. So. so yeah, hopefully we go from there. Kate Longhurst from West Ham had an interesting thread on Twitter a short while ago. Um, And I guess what people will point to is, yeah, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, Man United, Man City, they're they're spending big, um, but perhaps the bigger inequality at play um, isn't so much between men's and women's, but between the women um, on teams who aren't spending that much money and are still, you know, semi-professionals working another job, that sort of Mm. thing. And so maybe it's more about bridging not saying that everyone needs to spend as much as Chelsea have or pay everyone as much as Sam Kerr, but instead make sure that everyone's getting paid enough minimum to be a professional football player um, and to be able to focus on that and to compete properly. Um, And also, of course, the thing with um, Melbourne City is the professionalism that came with their introduction into the league was a massive thing and a big reason why players wanted to be at Melbourne City and in the W League, I think it. you guys might know more than me on this, the details, but it is a little bit restrictive in terms of you can't be paying, you know, out of the nose for uh, marquee players. The difference isn't that stark, but it is that professionalism that is standing out in things like the PFA W League survey um, in terms of the difference between the haves and the have-nots at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, sort of, I agree with all of that, absolutely. And I think Angela touches on a really important point there, which is the professional environments that these players are in. Um, Like we talk about investment as this sort of very general uh, term, but what does that actually manifest into? What does that translate into? Translates into player wages and it translates into the resources that the players have to actually improve, which means facilities, which means trainers, physios, access to all the kinds of people um, that you need to make you a better player. And I think that for a lot of these women who have never really had that, you know, the vast majority of Matildas have not come up through any sort of professional system before. The idea of like playing and training like a male player is a selling point. doesn't really like if you have a sort of a living wage that can get you through the year that's that's great. But I think one of the biggest draw cards for a lot of these people is that they're actually playing in environments where they are, they're playing full-time, they're training full-time and they're being treated like professionals and they're getting better as a result of those environments as well. Um, and I guess just sort of more generally, I think 
associations around the world are becoming aware that this is uh, a growing problem. Um, the FA recently introduced a new homegrown player rule where they've jacked up the number of homegrown players to, I think, a, a couple more than what they were before starting from next season. Um, and homegrown in their, in their definition doesn't necessarily mean English. It means that you need to have had a player um, trained by the club for at least three years before they turn 21. So jacking up, I think, the number of homegrown players in a structural sense and having a rule like that suggests to me that the FA are planning to come up with some more perhaps equalisation measures um, to stop there being this huge growing disparity between haves and have-nots and between clubs that are um, hoovering up all of the talent across the world because they can afford to and clubs that are not as financially um, privileged, clubs perhaps that are more associated with championship or third-tier men's clubs who don't have the financial resources of a Chelsea or an Arsenal or a Man City, Um, but ensuring that there is perhaps more of a distribution of talent across the league to make it more competitive. Because ultimately, you know, when we looked at the social media reaction from the games this weekend – some of these games are just not enjoyable. And if they're going to continue to be this way, more and more people are going to switch off. And I think that needs to be something that they consider as well. I agree, Sam. The one thing that really stood out for me from what you said before was about the players feeling valued and professional. And it just made me think back. And I know I said I wouldn't mention Liverpool getting relegated too often. But when they did get relegated (laughs) and you saw some of the players that were leaving, that announced they were leaving, some of their announcements were along the lines of, I'm really looking forward to being able to enjoy my football again, to be able Mm. to be at my best again. And it shows that it does. we're not going to go into Liverpool because we know about their issues as a club and in terms of not investing in the women's team. But I think that just says it all. These players want to be valued. They want to be well-treated. And I think when you look at the enjoyment factor at what looks to be a club like Everton at the moment where they're playing really good football, they're playing for each other, they've got some entertainment. I think that's what you want to see across the board. We're not expecting every team to have a stacked bench. But as I was saying before, you you can only have 11 of them on the field at the time. So if you can get it right and get that competitive balance right, I think it is going to go a long way to, I guess, fixing some of these issues. But yeah, I don't think it's an overnight fix, but I don't think it's necessarily one that's going to take years and years to get right either. Absolutely. And I suppose just some final FAWSL questions that we've gotten from Twitter. We had Luke ask, which other Matildas would you like to see head to the WSL and which teams would you like to see them in? Because is it the best league in the world for them or should other players be heading across Europe or is the WSL the place that we should be seeing these players go? Angela, I'm interested in your thoughts on this one. I was just quickly going to say that the term best league in the world gives me such anxiety. I think that's going to be an ongoing thing. I I have a lot of anxiety to those (laughs) listening at home, but um, I've seen it applied to the FAWSL and I was just reading the uh, PFA white paper earlier and it also said the best league in the world and I just how do we measure that it's such a qualitative thing I I don't know as soon as you say that there's so many expectations that you're never going to meet anyway I'll cross to Sam because she's probably got some more um thoughtful contributions to make there rather than just pure stress (laughs) I my point was exactly the same 
what do we mean when we talk about the greatest league in the world? What do we actually mean and what do we want that to look like? I think that this this phrase is being bandied about a lot and it's particularly being bandied about between England and the United States at the moment. I think a lot of those fan groups are getting quite defensive over that term. Um, but it, we haven't defined the term. We don't know what it means. We don't know what it looks like. Um, and I, I don't, I, and because of that, I sort of feel like I feel hesitant to wade into that conversation because I don't, I don't know the parameters of it. I don't know what a league should look like to be the best. Do we, if we look at the men's game, for example, uh, the Premier League is often touted as the best league in the world, but why? Why is the Premier League the best league in the world when, you know, if you measure it according to the number of, for example, European championships that they've won in the last decade, that tends to be dominated by teams outside of England. So, you know, you've got the best player in the world playing in Spain. You've got currently the best European uh, team playing in Germany. So what, you know, what does it mean? Is it because it's an even competition? Because we're seeing in competitions in France, in Germany, in Spain, in whatever, uh, I've sort of we've got this similar kind of thing happening in the women's game at the moment where you've got the big clubs constantly dominating and then there's sort of the rest down the bottom and they just sort of fight it out. Does that mean, therefore, that the NWSL is a better competition because it's more even? Or like what, like, so who gets to define the, 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 that sort of those limits as well? I think that that's something we'll, we all need to sort of decide as a wider community before we actually figure out what best is and who belongs there. Yeah, I agree, Sam. I think it's um, it is one of those things where it is all based on opinion. And I think there is a lot of just USA, UK rivalry. I think when we're talking in a Matilda sense, when we talk about the best league, I think we should be talking about the best league for our players, which doesn't necessarily mean that they are playing in the best league. It's just the league that they're going to get the most out of. Um, so obviously we're going to see Kai Simon and Amy Harrison, you'd think, play just about every game for PSV, get heaps of game time under their belt, be quite influential. We talked about this, I think, with Emily Van Egmond. Hopefully at West Ham we'll see her become a real um, focal point of that team. Hayley Razzo's got off to a really good start at Everton. Uh, I think Ellie Carpenter slotting in at Leon, beyond it being a powerhouse team, is great because she's surrounded by great players who are going to teach her even more really good habits, um, how to, you know, play with those sorts of quality players coming up against them. I don't think we necessarily need to worry about whether all our players are playing in the best league. It's whether it's the league that suits them. Um, for Katrina Gorey, it might just be playing every week in Norway. Like, I think there's, it's a really difficult question to answer. And I saw, Marissa, you mentioned that it was about which Matildas would you love to see um, in the FAWSL that aren't there already. I quite like that we've got a few that are outliers, um, that they're not all in the one league. It makes it a bit harder to keep track of them. The French League, for example, is not so easy to see as the FAWSL. But I think it's good that we're getting players who are getting a range of experiences. I just want to chip in. Um, so original, like Luke, who asked the question, wasn't framing any league as the best league, but his question was, is the best league for them? So not directing any of this at you, Luke. Just to be clear, <laughs> we we sort of got a little bit off track from the, um, the original question, which was like, which other Matildas would you all like to see head to the WSL? Um, and I think Anna answered that really nicely um, in terms of best league for, for them. I think Luke already had it. In, you sort of answered your own question there, Luke. Come on. Um, but, yeah, in terms of like heading to the best team for that player and making sure they're getting game time. But um, I agree. It would be nice to see um, – 
some of our like favourites a little bit more and the WSL does allow for that, but I don't think we necessarily want to be seeing our favourites getting hit 9-1 either. So <laughs> would, just you, you win some, you lose some. I would love to see Laura Brock absolutely um, cleaning up in defence um, if she was in the FAWSL. I just reckon she's a super player who had such a good uh, career, um, just found her spark again at Melbourne Victory, and I hope things are going well for her in France. Um, we don't get to see a whole lot of her because of uh, aforementioned broadcast issues, but I just reckon it's great having uh, her there, Jenna McCormick playing over in Spain, and, of course, Polks is in Norway and we know that Alana Kennedy is currently playing as a midfielder in England, but it's good that they're all getting these different experiences, I think. Uh, I suppose the other part of the the existential questions about the WSL, the best league in the world, the future of the Matildas, where the W League fits into all of that, is we need to have a discussion about the great W League exodus and what the future of the W League looks like. So it's it's a big chat and it's one that we are kind of having but without a lot of the information present. We don't really know what the next season of the W League looks like in even basic terms, you know, in like when it will be starting, how long it will be, things of that nature. So we've had a couple of questions about... The, the great W League exodus, as I'm calling it, all capitalised and whatnot. So one of the questions that we've had came from Stephen and he asks, how does the W League rebrand itself to appeal to fans, to fans now that most of the Matilda stars who were the appeal to a lot of fans have gone to Europe? Sam, what's your take on that one? Yeah, it's a good question and it's a question that I think FFA are asking themselves and I think the answer is that this is the next generation of Matildas. We've got our Matildas who are already in Europe. They're already killing it. They're already on the biggest stage. But the W League is going to become a development league, whether we like it or not. It's not going to be the greatest league in the world. That ship has sailed. It sailed a couple of seasons ago, I have to say. Um, And now we need to start to really lean into our place in the pecking order and our our best, our sort of strongest identity at the moment as we have seen over the last six to eight months, is producing Matildas to go to the best leagues. So I think the way that we respond to it is that we make the W League into one of the most fertile uh, development leagues in the world. We make it a greenhouse for young players. We make it a place where perhaps young players from other nations who aren't getting a run can come and get some serious minutes to put themselves on bigger radars, which we've seen happen in the past. We've had a number of uh, American players come over to the W League in previous seasons who perhaps were on benches, they were on the periphery of national teams but never felt like they were getting much of a go. They came to the W League for one or two or three seasons and all of a sudden they've got a little spring to their step and they're able to take their game a little bit further. So if we're able to, I think, really hone in on that, uh, not, I mean, we need to stop being anxious, I think, about the fact that people aren't going to watch. Like the, it's because people, like not not a huge amount of people are watching anyway, I'm going to say. Um, but, you know, the the next, this, this coming season is not going to be great. I think we'll put it out there now. Everyone understands it's not going to be great because there has been, a vacuum of talent for quite a long time because the Matildas have been taking up so many spots and so many international players have been taking up spots in these teams. 
So because of that, the players who are needing to step up are now actually being given their opportunity to do so, but they haven't had that. So this season is not going to be stellar. The the sort of the quality of the games are not going to be extremely high because the vast majority of the players are going to be from the MPL. But that's fine. That is a sacrifice that we need to make as fans to ensure that these players who are going to be our next Matildas, who may be in contention for 2023 even, are going to be given a go. So we need to ensure that if we actually really do give a shit about this game and we do give a shit about the Matildas, that we stick it out for a season or two. It might be it might be terrible, but that's the sacrifice that we need to make. Yeah, I'm also going to be intrigued to see what happens with a few of the players who are in uh, Scandinavia and the likes, if they look to come back. Because um, we know that those leagues do work a bit better. We talk so much about the NWSL situation and uh, we know that that's the one that we've been trying to have the symbiotic relationship with. But often your Norwegian and Swedish leagues line up really well if players do want to do effectively a double season or if they're coming back from injury or if, you know, they don't necessarily get the game time. I'm going to be intrigued by that. But I agree with you, Sam. I think it's a development league. I don't think, as you said, realistically, there were some great crowds, but there weren't many great crowds. And star power does a lot in terms of attracting crowds. Um, But I think this is a fantastic opportunity for those young players to really step up, to be starters, to get regular game time. Hopefully we see some of those um, sort of, They'll be in the top tier of WLE players. Your Ali Green's in that now, for example. Look to take that step up. Grace Mars needs to get more game time. Really start to come through and make the league their own. I think that's what we need to see. I think it's not really excuses now for these young players. You're not behind in the shadow of these stars. You get the chance to be them. And that's what they've got to take by the scruff of the neck, I think. Yeah, the poster child of this new rebrand for the W League is Ellie Carpenter. She was a player who was plucked from Cowra in the middle of nowhere. She came up through the local systems of New South Wales in Sydney. She got her W League start when she was 15, and now she is probably the biggest Matilda star we have outside of Sam Kerr, and she's 20. That is, she's, she's the pinnacle of what the W League should be doing. That is exactly what we need to be aiming for, is finding these players who have sensational talent, giving them the pathway towards joining a team like Leon, joining a team like Chelsea, joining a team like Bayern, joining all these huge teams because we know they can. They're proving it. They're proving it already. And these are players who've come through with next to no support. Imagine if we actually gave them some. What kind of players could we produce then, you know? I think going back to this upcoming season, it'll just be nice if we can go attend some games of football or if we can have yes. dub at the mm. pub. So I think uh, it's not going – I think for the long-term fans um, – that's not going to be too much of an issue. I think, and there has been, I'd be interested to see if there's actually a correlation between um, the previous sort of marketing strategy, I think um, from the league, but also from clubs in terms of centering Matildas and making them the face of teams. I don't think, I'm not saying that's a universal thing. It hasn't happened across the board for every single team every single year. Um, But shifting that and, you know, choosing who's going to be the face of the club and who's going to be the next, you know, big name um, or star. That's going to be an exciting thing to watch out for and to also, yeah, I'm, like you said, Sam, going back to um, numbers, got to be realistic there. It's probably not going to spike up even if we kept having Matildas in this league. So, Marissa, I'd be keen to hear your humble thoughts and onions on the dub exodus. Um, I'm 
yep, feel free to be chief waffler. That's the the boring thing is I agree with you guys. So my then kind of rant comes from the persistent idea that we should partner with other leagues, specifically the NWSL. I hate it as an idea. I've hated it since it was floated in France last year. I just I don't like it. I don't see how it benefits us in the long term. I barely see how it benefits us in the short term. So I would like to just bin the whole idea. I I just I want I want the partnership idea to die because I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of research and a lot of listening to where the NWSL is going. They've obviously got their own issues in terms of the COVID lens and whatever. They're not thinking about us. They're not talking about us and we need to stop talking and thinking about them because it's just, it's too much now. Time to, to close that chapter. It's been real um, and we'll, we'll see you as, see as later. A Marissa rant, you love to see it. <laughs> you love to say it. Oh God, I'm trying my best here. I promise. All right. So speaking of our our friends in the US, we did get a, a question from Jonathan, who is a writer at the Inquirer in the US, and he asked, "Australian exodus to Europe is it a conspiracy theory or deliberate by FFA?" I'm gonna give you all you know, one word answers go around the chat. Sam, is it a conspiracy theory or deliberate by FFA? Deliberate. (laughs) Angela? I'm going to act in bad faith. Deliberate. (laughs) (laughs) Anna? (laughs) Deliberate. But I'm not huge on uh, Jonathan's wording there either. (laughs) (laughs) Conspiracy theory and deliberate, the, it's, I don't like the vibes. I'm not nah, a fan. <laughs> I think uh, I said I know I said we wouldn't expand on it, but I think for our players wanting to go somewhere and get better, yes, yeah, it's, it's deliberate. We want them to to try new chores. So deliberate, but not in a uh, malicious sense. <laughs> not in a tinfoil hat way. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're we're not Pepe Silviering it. You know. <laughs> oh, but I could if we wanted to. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to back me up, but I think that that's what's going to make it a great a great conspiracy theory is I have no knowledge or information. I've just got a, a will and a way, you know. We need post-its. We need red string. We need tax to stick things on the wall. We're going all out. Yeah. I would Tune like a whiteboard. Yep. All right, so we'll switch gears. We'll stay in dub chat, but we'll switch gears slightly. We have had some W League signings, which is exciting to see because we're so desperate for news and information. The Wanderers made a whole bunch of signings, but I think the one that this pod is particularly excited about, and especially Angela as our resident Canberra enthusiast, is Grace Ma leaving Melbourne Victory and returning to Canberra. What did you make of the signing news, Angela? I mean, I've got I've got my heart my heart's with Victory and with Canberra, so there's no net loss for me here. I think it's gonna be really great for Grace Ma to go back to Canberra. Um she was struggling to get minutes at Victory and I think with the way that Vicky is rebuilding the squad at Canberra, um, if Grace can become like an integral part of that squad with going off what we've talked today about W League, sounds very, very likely. Um, 
yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a good thing for Grace. So, and it's just like really wholesome. She's, she's got such a nice backstory linked with Canberra, um, you know, starting out as a volunteer and signing at 15 and being the youngest, you know, I could go on. So yeah, Grace Mile back to Canberra is great news. And the possibility of uh, her linking up with one Michelle Heyman, Angela, I know that you're a big fan of. Michelle Heyman was recently spotted uh, playing in the New South Wales MPL with Sydney University, scored on debut as well, quite a good, uh, very Michelle Heyman kind of a goal, a nice spin in the box and a, a slot in the far corner, it's lovely. Um, so, yeah, um, and um, just a, a quick sort of comment on some of the players that Wanderers have re-signed as well. Um Susan Fonson-Cam, I don't think she's really gotten enough raps for how talented a player she is. I'm really excited to see her be given a really serious run this season, as we were talking about before. This is the this is the season for the MPL players to step up now. Um, and if they really want to be in contention for a senior Matilda's spot, they, this season and probably next is going to be their opportunity to do it. So Susan Fonson-Cam was amazing in the uh, MPL over the last couple of seasons, particularly when she was at the New South Wales Institute. Um, really keen also to see uh, Danica Mados and Chloe Middleton, two players who've been really good for the Laura Stingrays over the last couple of seasons. Um, and Courtney Newborn, uh, Sydney University goalkeeper. She was with the Wanderers last year. Um, I think played played a couple of games and was pretty – she seemed to sort of slot in pretty seamlessly. But I think the, the biggest uh, signing that we're all pretty chuffed about is the return of one Georgie Yeoman-Dale uh, from injury, from – responsibilities doing commentary she's back she's back in red and black and uh, I think we're all pretty pretty keen to see how she goes absolutely but it's time to put the the glowing reviews away it's time to get mad it's time for the boot and Sam you have the the honors this week of giving something the boot so the floor is yours (sighs) okay so I'm not a commentator I don't want to be a commentator. I realise that commentating is its own art form. It's It takes a lot of practice, a lot of work. But there have been commentators in the FAWSL who will remain nameless, but you all know who I'm talking about, who have been commentating for a while and you would assume that based on their past experience, they know how to commentate a football game. Commentating that football game does not include going back 20 years to find facts about the coach of one of the teams. Commentating means commentating what's happening on the field. And it also means commentating in a way that is not extremely patronising to the people who are watching. So, yes, there may be some viewers who are new to women's football, but that doesn't mean you need to remind them every 10 minutes. It also means that you can just talk about how good the players are without constantly infantilizing them and making it seem like they are the newest thing to pop onto the radar. It's football. Commentate the game. That's it. I'm done. Haro, I know you had a, a boot, a baby boot, if you will. Yes. Um, this is my, my niche. Um, also my niece. Um, my sister. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> My sister and her partner have had a um, had a baby a bit over a month ago, a little poppy. Um, she's fantastic. Um, of course, being an absolute Matilda's nuffy, the first thing I wanted to do was get a, a little Matilda's kit or, you know, if I couldn't get that, I guess, the Socceroos kit. Can't get it anywhere. 
Uh, she's already got her Geelong AFL kit. I'm sure if I wanted to get a different coat, I could. But as things stand, I can't get a little baby Matilda's kit. I just don't think a Harrow-sized Sam Kerr kit is going to be the one that fits her. She's very, very small. <laughs> she's going to need maybe like a sleeve worth of kit. So, yeah, I would like to give just a little tiny boot to uh, the lack of a baby Tilly's kit. Would you call it a booty? I, in fact, would. <laughs> Throw it out of the pram. <laughs> Poppy would not be impressed. The dummy fit, the baby boot. <laughs> if the baby oh boot fits, Marissa, if the baby boot fits. <laughs> I'll be dragged oh kicking and screaming out of this rant. <laughs> I think we all need a nap to be honest but no we've had our boots we're we're we've all you know got our our anger out our feelings about commentators out so we will now switch as we say to the how good the positive end to the podcast sam what is the how good for this week the how good for this week is uh, alongside the return of George Yeomandale from injury, another player who is returning to uh, uh, to football from injury is Jada Wyman, young goalkeeper. Many, many people think that she is going to be the heir apparent to Lydia Williams. She has so much talent. We know what she can do for the young Matildas. We know what she can do for Western Sydney. She had her first game back after a huge layoff with injury uh, this week for Sydney Olympic in the New South Wales MPL. Uh, it was great. Olympic won. I don't think she conceded, which was great. Um, and one, a friend of the pod, Anne Odong, was there to take an absolutely spectacular photo of, uh, of Jada kicking a ball away. So, yeah, I mean, just young players coming back from injury. How good? How good? How good? I love it. We make it sound like it's mass and the response is how good and everyone just says how good. Sorry <laughs> to drop the, the, um, the Catholic girl thing at the end of this <laughs> pod. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, we've had our how good. We've had our boot. We've had some good chats. We've had some laughs. I think we've all had a good time all round. So that is another episode wrapped you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. We finally made it onto Google Podcasts. But please feel free to rate, review, like, tell your friends, tell your nan, I don't know. Anyone who's really interested in women's football, go for it. So thanks for listening and we will catch you next week. We promise we won't leave you hanging in the lurch again. See us.